and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about the true ROI, that return on investment on properties. This comes from listener of the show, Carrie, who has been a long-time listener and friend of the show, who says, Ed, first of all, I'd like you to remind Andrew that we are more likely to have a tri-life crisis these days. So I reckon he's about four years before he has his first <laughs> major one. I felt like I've already had one. <laughs> Younger wife and faster car. <laughs> and friends who probably bring you down and make you make poor decisions. Yeah, you. That was the joke, Andrew. You can't steal my joke. Now, next thing I want to talk about is what Carrie's actual podcast topic was. So what Carrie's asked is, do you think you could do a summary of ROI versus gross versus net yields as a podcast and talk about the different ways of comparing properties? And I said, Carrie, absolutely, let's do that. So today what we will do is, first of all, go through the different ways, gross yield, net yields, return on equity, the cash yield. But also, as the Vice President of the Dandenong Association of New Zealand, we have built a spreadsheet, which is going to be available for you, which actually, in more detail than I've ever seen, because I kind of took this as a bit of a challenge, Gary, wanted to make the best possible calculator that would tell you what the return on investment on a property is. And it does this in quite a few nerdy ways, which we'll get into. So keep listening till the end of the show so you can find out where to get that. But first of all, Let's go through the main ways of comparing properties. Let's start with gross yields, Andrew. So gross yield is a really crude metric. And I always say it's like using the bathroom scales to figure out if you're fit or not. It might be a slim indicator, no pun intended, as to how fit you are. But it probably isn't actually a great tool if assessing whether or not an investment's good or bad. It really only looks at the turnover of a property. So for those of you that don't know, the way you calculate it is you go rent times 52, so your annual rent, divided by your purchase price or the value of the property if you've owned it for an X number of years. And this turnover thing is just not really that useful. It doesn't tell you about the capital gains. It doesn't factor in things like capital growth. It doesn't factor in things like renovations if you add those on. And it's only one point in time. It's right now when you buy the property. And so again, in six years' time, as the property's gone up in value, it might be that that's no longer the right investment. So it's more about the property than the investment itself. So it's probably useful as one small puzzle piece, but it doesn't give you the full picture. So slightly better than that, if gross yield is probably the worst way to measure it, certainly the easiest, but one of the worst, slightly better way to do it would be by calculating a net yield. Now, net yields are slightly less crude in that they include your operating costs. So your rates, your insurance, your property management, and your maintenance, all those kinds of things. And when you factor that out, you're obviously going to have a lower net yield than a gross yield because you're paying some costs out of that. But it still doesn't really tell you about the investment side. It's still about the property. So it doesn't tell you anything about the capital gains. It doesn't tell you whether you've structured this property efficiently. Because, of course, remember that a net yield is calculated on the purchase price of the whole property. It's not a measure based on the money which you put in, which might be your deposit or a couple of other things. So it's not the best measure, again, because it's only a point in time and it's not a forecast. So it's slightly better than gross yields, but it's not really a good measure of return on investment. So next is cash flow yield. So this is cash flow as a proportion of the property price. And this is better because it includes your financing costs, your structuring, your tax and your depreciation, but it still only measures the cash flow side of things, which yes is important, but it's not factoring in things like capital growth. And it's at this point in time, it's not a forecast and it's not calculating your return on investment. 
Okay, so a slightly better version of that, and we're kind of going through the worst to the best, is return on equity. Now, if you've been to our webinars, you will have seen us, I think, way back in April last year talking about return of equity. So this is where we'd look at the cash flow that a property generates over a 15-year period, add all of that up, add up all of the capital gains, and then say, well, for the deposit that you put in, for that initial equity that you've risked, what was the gain? What was the return on the equity you invested in? Now, this is probably a better measure than what we've talked about in the past, the cash flow yield versus the net yield, etc. It's a better measure of your actual return compared to some of the other yields we've talked about so far on the show. Because if you put in a 200k deposit versus a 100k deposit, you obviously want to see a better return from that property because you're risking more money. Return on equity will show you that, but something like a cash flow yield or a net yield wouldn't. But it's still got some limitations. So when we've shown this on the podcast before, on the webinars before, our return on equity has still been a little bit point in time. What I mean by that is we'd calculate the cash flow for the first year, extrapolate that out and assume it would be the same for the next 15 years, see what the cash flow was, add it all up. Now, again, that's quite crude because we've got things like inflation over time, we've got rent increasing over time. There are so many things that we can forecast and we need to factor those things in. The other thing we've also got to factor in is that if a property makes $10,000 this year and it makes $10,000 in 10 years time, we've got to remember that that 10 grand that it made in 10 years time is worth less than it was today because tomorrow's money, next year's money is generally worth less than today's money is because we've got inflation, the price of things are going up and so we need to factor all of these things in. So when I was thinking about this, preparing for Carrie's episode, I thought, well, we need to factor all these things in, which is where we've created this Data Nerd Association of New Zealand approved ROI spreadsheet. Walk <laughs> it's us got through. The, fir- the first stamp of approval spreadsheet. <laughs> so walk us through. What are some of the things that we considered when putting this together for all the listeners of the show? So we've taken into account that inflation. So again, if you make $10,000 in cash flow after tax from property in 10 years, it's 8200 of today's money. Or if a property is losing 5000 in cash flow in five years, then we need to understand what we're going to be investing in today's money. And it helps us define what the investment is. So let me just jump in to explain that. So if a property is negatively geared, you're putting cash flow into it, maybe because it's on principal and interest, maybe because your interest rate is fixed a bit higher, some of these kinds of things. We need to recognise that any money you're putting into the property is actually part of your investment. So when we've run return on equity calculators in the past, usually we'd add up all the cash flow at the end. And if a property made five grand next year, but it lost five grand this year, it would zero out. They would cancel each other out and would say, well, there was no cash flow investment. But there was investment. You had to put five grand into it. And so that needs to be accounted for as part of the investment you're putting in. And you need to see a return on that. So now the great unveiling of Ed's project, which seriously, I've never seen someone so excited about a spreadsheet. Ed returning to the office today, laptop in hand, smile on face, which is unusual for a Monday morning. Well, I'm actually a bit offended by that, Andrew. I thought you were going to say, I've never seen such a beautiful spreadsheet, which shows you the things that I... I made that one that one time. Which one? No, 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 no. I don't want to hear about your spreadsheets, Andrew, or other (laughs) spreadsheets you've seen in the past. This is the one and only. 
So the first thing, which is something that we've never seen before, or I haven't, in property investment spreadsheets, is if there's going to be a capital gain, say over 15 years, you need to discount that back into today's dollars. And so what I mean by that is if you make like a 500k gain over a 15 year period, that's 500k in 15 years times dollars. So what is that in today? It's about 375k if you're using a 2% inflation rate. I mean, it's still an amazing gain, but we need to remember and be realistic and practical to say, well, it's not a 500k gain, it's a 375 gain. And what is that as a return on the money that I'm investing today, which might be 100 grand, might be 140 grand. So it also does some of those other things that we just talked about. If you're investing into the property in terms of cash flow, because it's negatively geared, you need to add up every dollar that you're going to pay into that property, discount it back into today's dollars and say, well, that's part of my investment. What's the potential return going to be on that? And it also forecasts things like, what's your tax going to be in year seven? What's the depreciation going to be in year three? What's the total collective tax write-offs that you might get in at year four? And how does that add up to the total amount of cash this property is either going to earn or pay into it? Now, you're probably thinking, because you're out running or you're walking on the treadmill or I'm thinking about all the things I do when I'm listening to podcasts, you know, or driving around. I totally get that some of this is quite complex, which is why we want to make this available. But it's all about saying, well, look, let's make the decision based on today's dollars and make sure that we're getting all of the ducks in a row. What is the actual return we're expecting? What are all of the costs or the investment that we're expecting to be put into this property? And let's make an informed decision about this. And I think that is where we can start to get real clarity about some of the things that we've talked about previously on this show. So what I've got for you as an example is that I ran the same property through the spreadsheet, once on interest only, once on principal and interest, because this is something we get all the time, even though we always talk about it on the show. We say, look, you should always, generally speaking, do interest only rather than principal and interest. It's more tax efficient. The really beneficial thing about doing a spreadsheet in this way is we can say, well, look, let's bring it out into the return on investment and make those numbers really clear. So even though we've known it, I guess intellectually, let's show that through the numbers in terms of what that ROI is. So I just want to give you the headline numbers. This property, which I put in here, it's a Russell Road, Manurewa, 139k of equity. That's a 20% deposit plus some setup costs which you'd paid in. Now, if we use a 5% capital growth rate over a 15-year period, first of all, you're going to make 540k. That's in today's money. So actually it would be more than that in terms of nominal dollars, like in 15 years time, the actual amount, if you achieve that capital growth rate is going to be more, but again, bring it back in today's dollars. You're also going to make a cash flow over that time of about 123K in today's money. So your total return is about 664K and you've invested about 140K for that. So all up, that is an expected return of 4.5 times. So very good return over a 15 year period. Now let's take the same property and let's put that on principal and interest. So first of all, you're investing the same amount of equity, 139K, but then the property becomes negatively geared because it's on principal and interest over a 30 year term. So that means you actually have to invest an extra $106,000 to top up those principal payments over that period. And remember, some of that is actually you need to top up the property to pay tax. So even though something's negatively geared, you're putting cash flow in, you can still have to pay tax because those principal payments aren't tax deductible. So what's the returns from that? Well, it's the same capital gain because it's the same property. But in that case, you're making no cash flow. 
you're getting no cash flow return on this property because you're having to top it up. But of course, you do pay down some debt. And in today's money, you're paying off 208k worth of debt. So you're getting a total return of about 750k. And for that, you have to invest about 245. Now, all up, that's about a 3.06 return. So it's about a three times return versus a four and a half times return if you put that property on interest only. Now, I realize that a lot of this is quite data heavy, quite number heavy. If you want to get your hands on the spreadsheet, tap a swipe over the cover art. I'm going to drop a link to this in the show notes where you can go download that or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. We'll drop it in there as well. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But just before we do, I want to ask you how. We've just hit our 1 million downloads, but now we want to take this community to the next level. And to do that, we need to ask for your help. Adrian Orr says there's no such thing as a free lunch, but there is such thing as a free dinner on us. So what we're going to do is we're going to run a draw and we're going to take 20 of you out for dinner with Ed and I so you can hear his data, you can hear my hilarious jokes, and we'll buy dinner and wine. As long as it's house. In order to do this, we're going to have to run a draw because I don't think we're going to be able to fit you all in a restaurant, but we are going to take 20 people out in each centre. So that's 10 of you plus a friend or partner each. So how do you enter that draw? Well, first of all, we'd love you to follow us on Instagram. We are at opas underscore partners. We'd love for you to share something about the podcast on your story or on your feed to help grow the community. And then also, if you could give us a review, those things really help us if you go to your podcast app and leave a review. So take a screenshot of all of those three things, send it to podcast at opuspartners.co.nz, along with the city that you're in, and then we'll do a draw at the end of next month. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.